Um, that was a beautiful song. Thank you, guys. I was really, I was really blessed by the, the music this morning and uh, by that song. I love that song. They will know us by our love. Well, why don't we um, inter- have one more word of prayer, and then we'll uh, go ahead and get into our message this morning and uh, just uh, talk a little bit about GLOW and also about uh, have a little Bible study. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning and this uh, beautiful sun that's breaking through the clouds. And um, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to be with us, Lord. Please uh, break through uh, the clouds of, of doubt, discouragement, the clouds of unbelief that hover over our own hearts and minds, Lord. And I pray that we will, you'll speak to us clearly this morning through your word and that uh, we'll be drawn more close to Christ and more into uh, his will and his plan for our own lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's so good to be here this morning. Uh, again, my name is A.J. Belts, and I want to just thank you for having me here. Thank you, Pastor uh, Godfrey, and um, for just uh, inviting us and, and having us here. And um, it's great to be here. Like he said, I work for the GLOW ministry. I live in Clovis, uh, really close to the conference office. And um, I was actually, I'm not from California originally. I was born and raised in central Missouri, and um, not a place of any real significance, uh, the, only, the only thing that, that it's really known for, the area that I'm from, is um, if you get onto Google and you type in what are the most strangely named cities in America, it'll give you a list, and the top, some of the top ones are right where I grew up. Like, for instance, there's, um, there's Peculiar, Missouri. It's got a peculiar name. There's another town called Racket, Missouri. Racket. And there's another town called Tightwad, Missouri, with a whopping population of 87 people. And so that's about my only claim to fame right there. But um, it, was, it was nice growing up out there, and it's been a blessing. In fact, Modesto, this is the first city I ever came to when I came to California. I came here in 2009. I flew in uh, to Modesto and, um, to, to, have a, uh, to, to join a youth rush uh, program and to come here for the summer. And I end up being stuck here. And so, but I'm, I'm thankful. It was a blessing. I remember when I first landed and I came out of that airport in Modesto and I'm like, okay, so that's a Hispanic there. And then I remember talking to him. I was like, where are you from? He said, I'm from Mexico. I'm like, really? Wow. And I just, it was so amazing. And I saw, then I saw Pastor Anil Kondo over at the Series Church. He was the first Indian I ever saw. So it was really, it was really awesome to meet, uh, you know, different cultures and diversity out here. And so um, I love it. Now I'm, now I'm, I'm here. Amen. I live here. So... Well, I, uh, I work with the GLOW ministry, and uh, one of my things that I really just have a burden for is spreading the gospel through literature. It's really amazing the power of placing one piece of literature in someone's hand, what that can do, even just leaving it somewhere. You know, I know that uh, you guys had a, a glow-in-the-dark outreach here last night. How many, uh, how many of you were, uh, I don't know, got rained on a little bit last night? I did. We were out there, and uh, I was down in the Fresno area with a group. And it was a pretty large group. We had, I think there was like 50 of us or so that got together. And we went out and we were doing glow in the dark. And man, just as we were finishing up, the rain started coming down on our heads. And so we were like, we're like, wow, glad we, we're thankful for the rain, but we're glad we were able to get that done before it came. And um, it's cool because, you know, you may, have seen, you may have seen some of our videos. You know about Alexis uh, two years ago in Southern California, Halloween of 2012. She was, she was sitting at home. She was... Uh, I forget how old she is, 18 or 19, 
And she didn't go out trick-or-treating because that wasn't her thing. But her little brother came back home with, the, with his bag full of candy. And uh, she, went, she, she got it and she was going through it to make sure all the candy was safe. And uh, she found a glow tract in there. Because some Adventists had, uh, you know, maybe they were, they, the, the kid came to their home and instead of getting candy, he got a glow tract. Or, you know, who, who knows how he got it, but it was in there. She found it, she read it, she asked for Bible studies. And she was baptized, and now she's in her first year at one of our Bible colleges. Um, amen? And she's, she, because she wants, to be, uh, she wants to learn more about the Word of God. And so it's, it's just incredible. The stories are, are endless. Uh, there was another story. A man down in, um, in Chowchilla last Sabbath was giving um, Sabbath school there. And he was, um, he, was, he was telling the story as he was del- giving his Sabbath school lesson. He was telling the story of how... 30, 30, 20 or 30 years ago, he was, you know, he was going to church on Sunday, and as he was listening to the sermon, he's like, the, you know, the sermon was based off of this one scripture, and he's like, man, I don't, I just, I'm not following, I'm not following his train of thought, I don't see how he's drawing this message out of that verse, and he went and he talked to the pastor afterward, and he said, pastor, didn't you think that was a little out of context, and the pastor's like, yeah, it was, but, you know, it was, it made for a good thought, though, you know, and then the guy's like, what? And, you know, he was just really, it just really made him uneasy. So he went home and he prayed. He said, Lord, I, I just, I just please help me, help me know uh, what is the true church? How can I know? And so that, that, the next week, Saturday came around. And, you know, first, early in the morning, the first thing that, you know, somebody comes by, knock, 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 he opens the door. And it's two, two Mormon brothers. And they say, hey, you know, we're out here to give Bible studies, etc. And, and he's like, okay, I'll sign up for Bible studies. I just prayed for this. A couple hours later, two Jehovah Witnesses come by. They knock on his door. He opens the door and they say, they say, uh, they say hey, we're doing Bible studies in the area. Would you like to join? And he said, yeah, sure. I love Bible studies. So he signed up with them. Then another, about an hour later, a Baptist preacher came by, knocked on his door. This is a true story. He, was telling, he told this in Sabbath school, last Sabbath in Chowchilla. He signed up for Bible studies with a Baptist preacher. A couple hours later, an Adventist comes by. Not, except this, this time it was a Cole Porter, and he didn't just sign, up, sign him up for Bible studies. He left him some literature, amen? He left him, he sold him some, uh, well, I guess he, he wouldn't have sold him books, but he would have given him books. It was on Sabbath, and so he got some. He got received some literature. I, I don't know what the books were. I can't remember if it was Steps to Christ or Great Controversy. He got those books and he started reading. And he's like, "I want to study with that guy." He ends up he ends up following up with studies with him, and he the, he's eventually goes to an evangelistic series and is baptized. Amen. And now, thirty years later, he's teaching Sabbath school in Chowchilla. So I'm just I'm just you know I'm always excited to to see you know it's literature ministry is a seed planting ministry. When we plant those seeds, it doesn't sprout up overnight. You know, amen? Weeds sprout up overnight, but these kind of seeds, they take, they take some water, they take some sunlight, they take some growth. And then, you know, it may take a year, it may take a little time later, but there will surely be a harvest, amen, if we faithfully plant those seeds. So um, this morning, I, I have a message I'd like to share with you that's not... Um, totally pertaining to uh, literature evangelism, but it has to do more with uh, the second coming of Christ. Amen? And um, so I'd like to turn in our Bibles to Matthew 24, and we're going to just look at a few passages here. Jesus, he told us in Matthew 24, in verse 36, he made a very uh, well-known statement here. It's one of the 
more famous things that Jesus ever said. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36. Now, if you've, if you tell me, I'm going to read this verse, and if you've heard this verse before, I want you to say amen after I read it, okay? If you've ever heard of this before. But of that day, Matthew 24, verse 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Amen? You've heard that, amen? There's, there's been a few, uh, you know, attempts to, to set some dates, right? And... Um, even, even more recently, you know, you've heard of, uh, you've heard of Harold Camping, Harold Camping, not, not Harold Reeve, Harold Camping, I'm just kidding, Harold Camping, remember he said the world was going to end on, in May 21 or something like that of 2011, and the, the time came, the time passed, and he even public, he, they made it a public apology, and they said, you know, we should have listened to this verse, Matthew 24, verse 36. Then there was the, the Mayan calendar was going to come to an end in 2012. And the time came and the time passed. We've learned, and, and people seem to have to keep learning over and over again, that setting dates for the end of the world just, you know, is not a good idea. It's not, it's not something that's, that's, um, uh, we're ever to do. Now, I want you to notice something fascinating, though. Please uh, drop down with me a few verses to Matthew chapter 42, uh, Matthew, verse 42 of 24, chapter 24. And Jesus, he says here, this is our, our scripture reading for today. Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. So again, he repeats that idea. We don't know. So he says to watch. What does he mean by watch? Notice verse 43. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken, broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You know, this verse has always fascinated me. I've wondered, how is it, how is it that we can be watching? How is it that Jesus is speaking to, you know, people, his faithful followers who will be watching, and that it's that he says that to us, he will come at an hour we, he does not, we do not expect. Here's what I think. This is what I've concluded as I've looked into this verse. The final movements will be rapid ones. The final movements of earth's history that will precipitate the second coming of Jesus will happen so quickly that we will, that we will as it were, almost be caught off guard. We'll be watching. We'll be like, yes, we see the signs. The coming of Christ is near, but I'm not sure. Is it close? Is it still a few years off? But then the last movements will be, and that will happen quickly. And we'll be like, whoa, we weren't quite expecting that, but here it is. That's, that's, that's what, I, what I find in this verse. Jesus is coming at an hour we do not expect, but we can know it's near. I want to ask you a few questions here. If you back up with me to Matthew chapter 24 in verse 4. It says here, Jesus speaking to his disciples after they asked him that question, when will we know? How can we know when the, the, the end of the, the age will be? Jesus says, he answered them in verse 4, take heed that no one deceives you. That's the first thing he says, amen? Take heed that no one deceives you. It's like, I have a whole list of things I'm going to tell you about, but the first thing you need to know, take heed that no one deceives you. You know, he says, it also says in, uh, in, in the books of Peter, the epistles of Peter, that they will, um, scoffers will come and that they'll try and say that 
things continue as they always were. As it was from the beginning, so it is today. They'll say, you'll hear, you'll, hear, you'll hear skeptics, I need some water. You'll hear skeptics speak, you'll hear uh, deceivers speak, like Harold Camping, that will try and lead you astray, and will try and confuse your mind in regard to the coming of Christ. Don't be deceived. When you see the signs, know that it's near. As Jesus said, even at the doors. Notice this, he says in verse 5, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for these, are, for these things must come to pass. You know, it's, um, it's interesting because um, I, you hear this argument. How many of you have heard people say there will be wars and rumors of wars? And then you've heard someone else say, there's always been wars. Have you heard that before? Well, I don't have um, a PowerPoint or a picture to show you, but in the, at the University of Warwick in England, there was a, a couple of uh, professors who did some research on this. Completely secular, had no, you know, reference to the to the Bible, had no, um, you know, had no thought of what Jesus said in their minds. But they did research, and they're kind of. You know, they did this research project called The Frequency of Wars, and they, they just, they finished this project only a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, and they published it. And they did a, they did a big swath of history, and they analyzed, you know, different wars uh, throughout the last 150 years. And what they concluded was really disturbing to them. They found that uh, starting, you know, somewhere back in the 1880s, there was approximately on any given year about six wars uh, going on all around the globe. Then they found, you know, coming up into the 1900s that that number increased to about 10, and to, then it increased to about 14. Then you have the World War, and the two World Wars, which kind of threw uh, the uh, statistics for a little bit of a loop. But then after uh, 1945, the trend continued. The wars, as the decades passed, uh, the number of wars around the earth uh, at any given moment continued to increase till today, we're at about 46 or 50 wars going on all around the world. And it's fascinating because they concluded that, they concluded, they said, one of the reasons that drives this is because we have more countries, more nations than we've ever had. We have still amount, the same amount of, of, of land mass, right? But the nations of the earth are more divided than they've ever been. We have, we have you know, we, we don't have just one big you know, Germany, we have Germany and Austria-Hungary, and we have, you know, all the Middle Eastern states. There's, there's more division, and there's more states than there's ever been, and because of that, there's more conflict. That's one of the conclusions they had, and you know what that reminds me of strikingly? Daniel chapter 2, do you remember the statue? You have the feet of iron and clay. It says, they will be divided. That's one of the signs of the end. We have a divided world that cannot find peace and, conf uh, peace and resolution. There's conflict. Jesus said there'd be wars and rumors of wars, and oh boy, are there ever more than there ever has been. Jesus said it, and it's coming true. Notice what it says in verse um, eight or verse 7. It says, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Now, you know, I did, I've done some, a lot of research into earthquakes because uh, earthquake statistics have always kind of, it, it, it's kind of hard because you get on Google and you type in, you know, are earthquakes increasing? You will see all kinds of stuff come up. You'll see stuff come up from CNN. And there's actually news articles, recent ones, where, where people are trying to argue that earthquakes are not on the, that, you know, it's like, 
you know, there's, there's, they'll, they'll talk about there's anomalies here, there's an anomaly there, but earthquakes really are not increasing. But when I looked at the statistics, I got onto the United States Geological Survey, and I looked at the worldwide statistics for, for all of the earthquakes, uh, starting in the, the 1970s all the way to two, uh, 2014. And it was a little bit hard, but I was able to piece together all the statistics because they don't have it all laid out perfectly. But it's pretty clear that, number one, there are more earthquakes than there have been in the last few decades, especially when we hit the year 2000. We started seeing more, not just of regular earthquakes, but of the big 8.0 and up, 9.0 and up on the Richter scale. Really big earthquakes. Now, of course, you've heard that too. There's always been earthquakes. Yes, there have been. There's always been a lot of casualties because of earthquakes. How many of you remember, uh, have you ever heard of the Tang Shan earthquake in 1976? Have any of you heard of that in, in China? It was a huge earthquake that killed 200,000 people. That was like the, one of the largest earthquakes in the, in the, the history of that, of, of that century, of the 20th century. However, we're starting to see things like we've never seen before. 2010, Haiti, over 300,000 people were killed. And that wasn't all. There was even more than that that were killed around the world from other earthquakes. We're starting to see uh, earthquakes like the, the 9.0 up to 10.0, the huge earthquakes. We're seeing, we saw more of those from 2000 to 2009 than we saw in any previous decade since they've been keeping record. We saw more 9.0 and above earthquakes, and we saw more casualties and deaths from earthquakes from 2010 to 2014 than we've seen in any previous uh, span of time before that. Now again, there's been a lot of deaths, there's been a lot of earthquakes, but we're seeing a frequency increase that we haven't seen before. So anyway, you get the point. Jesus has told us clearly there will be signs. And the signs are here. He says, watch. I want to go over with you a few, a few things that I found in regard to watch. Turn with me in your Bible to Luke 17. As we, we look at just a few, uh, few passages here in regard to what it means to watch. We see the signs fulfilling. But is that, is that all it means, is just to be mindful of the signs? Is that all it means to watch, or is there more? Turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 17, verse 26. This is sort of a parallel passage to Matthew 24, where Jesus is uh, speaking in regard to the last days. He says this in verse 26. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. Interesting. They ate, they drank, they married, uh, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Verse 28, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. Who is Lot? Abraham's nephew, right? They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. It's going to be a surprise to so many people who aren't watching. It's going to be an utter surprise. Notice what it says in verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. Such a, such a strange warning, it seems. Such a strange verse. Remember Lot's wife. Why? I, I want to turn back. I want to, I want to look back at Genesis chapter 19. And we're going to look at this destruction of Sodom. Jesus, he says, he says, as it was in the days of Lot, remember, remember Lot's wife. 
I want to look at just a few verses in Genesis 19 in regard to what it means to watch. Now, as you recall, you have, um, you have the, the angels of, uh, coming down to investigate the city of Sodom, to see what's going on down there. And um, you have these, these guys coming down to see what's going on. And now it says in verse 1, Genesis 19, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. So where was he? In the gate. Interesting place to be. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Hear now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet, that you may rise early and go on your way. It's fascinating because Lot had no idea who these guys were. They were angels, but he didn't know that. They just looked like re regular common traveling men. But Lot had made it his custom to sit in the gate of the city and to watch for travelers. He knew it was a wicked place, and he knew that people who came there would be in danger. That's why he had made it his custom. It, it says that, in fact, you can read that in Patriarchs and Prophets. He was sitting there, and he, walked, and he welcomed them, and it, wasn't, and it was his custom to do that. He was watching. Amen? Do you realize that when Jesus says to watch and pray, he says to watch, one of the things that Lot was doing was he was watching out for the spiritual health and benefit of others. He knew that people who came into Sodom could be attacked. They could be hurt. And so he watched out for them. Friends, are we watching out for those who are in spiritual danger around us? Are we mindful of that? Are we, are we thinking of that? You know, um, one of the things I, I was really blessed by is my uh, little sister who's been, who's been um, up and down in her spiritual walk over the last few years. She's 19 now. She, um, she finally, you know, after you know, many ups and downs and different uh, experiences and relationships, and I was so, you know, afraid that she was, she was just going to, she was just going to take off, you know, leave the church, leave, leave God, all that, and there was times when she said she didn't believe in God, etc. She told me, uh, she finally, this, this past fall, she decided to go to a Bible college. She said, AJ, I just want to be grounded. I want to learn more about the Word of God. I'm like, praise God, hallelujah, and I, and then she went, and now, and now yesterday, she called me, and she said, hey, AJ, she's like, man, you know, I was baptized when I was 10 or 11, but I've just, you know, I've learned so much now, and I just feel so convicted. I need to be rebaptized. She said, AJ, I would like you to please come and baptize me, rebaptize me. And I'm like, wow, praise God. Amen? I've been praying so hard for her uh, for the last, literally the last, since I was converted 10 years ago, I came to know Christ. I've been praying for this little girl earnestly, and I've been doing everything I can to try and to guide her. And you know, I have not always been faithful with, with every, every person that God has, get, has put in my way, people who I could have helped, I haven't always been faithful. But by God's grace, I've been, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see my little sister rebaptized, amen, and be, and be grounded in the faith. Friends, God has called us to watch out, like Lot was. Watch out for those strangers, okay? He says, he says uh, in Hebrews 13, 2, some of you have taken in strangers and you've hosted angels and not even realized it. He, he didn't even know he was taking angels into his home. And for those of us who watch out for the spiritual benefit of others, angels will be with you, amen? Angels will be at your side. We need to watch out for those people who are, who are lost and perishing. Um, now notice this, okay? So it says in, in, uh, in verse 2, 
obviously, of verse 19, they, uh, chapter 19 of Genesis, he, he, they say that we're going to spend the night in the open square. But it says in verse 3, Lot, he, 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 he insisted strongly that, and they, to, to turn in and, and come into his house. So they came. He prepared food for them, and they ate unleavened bread, and etc. But then, before they lay down to go to sleep that night, they hear um, a banging at the door, and it's the, the men of the city are coming. And um, just, a, you know, just as a re- reminder, you know the story. Lot goes out to them, and he closes the door, and he, he tries to persuade them. He tries to reason with them, but they're not, uh, totally unreasonable. They want to bring out those men. And, and finally, as they're about to come and tear Lot and grab Lot and throw him out of the way, the angels reach out of the door, they pull him into the house, and slam the door shut. And then they cast and make these men blind, and so they're wandering around in blindness. And then, they t- then, they, then the angels reveal themselves. They say, hey... The city's going to be destroyed. We're here to destroy this place. Get now your family, your daughters, your wife. Tell your family and get out of here now. Notice what it says here in verse 17. Verse 16, excuse me. Verse 16. And while he lingered, that's Lot, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, but the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. Do you realize that when, when Lot realized that the city was going to be destroyed, that he had a terrible turmoil in his heart? He's like, man, my whole life is here. My home, all the wealth, wealth that I've accumulated over all these years, it's all here. My family, he went and he told his, his sons-in-law and his daughters, they, they, they thought he was mocking. You know, they're like, you're, you're, what in the world? You know, are you drunk? They didn't believe him. And he lingered. Do you realize it says in the book Patriarchs and Prophets that, you know, after he led them out and they, they started running away, finally running away from the city and his daughters and his wife were with him, his wife turned back. And what happened to her? She turned into a pillar of salt, the Bible says. And Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. Had Lot not lingered, had he been decisive when he heard the Lord's command and he moved forward at the, at the, 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 when the conviction came, his, his wife would have been saved. Friends, do you realize that when Jesus says it's time to go, when, he, when, Jesus say, when Jesus convicts you, that when you linger, you lose much. Lot lost his wife. What have we lost because we have lingered when Jesus has spoken? Friends, don't linger. When Jesus speaks, move, and you will be so much more thankful and so much more blessed. Leave it behind. If he asks you to leave something behind, leave it behind. He's got something better for you. Yeah, you have to take it by faith. You can't see it by sight. But believe me, he's got something so much better for you. Lastly, turn with me back to um, Mark. Let's go to uh, the book of Mark. And we're going to look at one last thing that Jesus said in regard to watching and praying. Mark chapter 13 Again, this is another parallel passage in regard to watching, or in regard to the, the, the second coming of Christ. Mark chapter 13. And we see here in verse 32 of Mark 13, Jesus, he's again, he's speaking, and he repeats uh, that we know not the day or the hour, verse 32, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor, uh, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, 
for you do not know when the time is. You know, it's interesting because we've heard that before, haven't we? Watch and pray. Where else did Jesus tell his disciples to watch and pray? Mm-hmm. I heard it over here. He said to his disciples, come with me, watch and pray. And what did they do? They fell asleep. Jesus says, don't sleep, watch and pray with me. Friends, we need to be watching and praying. We need to be, keep our eyes on Jesus. When Jesus, when Jesus, if you're tight with Jesus and Jesus makes a move, you're going to know about it. Amen? 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 When, if, we're, if we're sleeping, though, we're, we're going to miss it. Jesus, he's going to step down out of the heavenly sanctuary one of these days very soon. And when he moves, we're going to know it. Amen? If we're watching and if we're praying. We need to have, I'm, I was so thankful to hear Brother, brother uh, was it Brother Hill mentioned that this is a praying church. Friends, we need to be praying. We need to be watching and praying, and we need to have a prayer life that's real and vibrant. We need to know what it means to wrestle with God and then to see the answers to our prayers. Amen? Jesus said to watch and to pray. Watch out for those strangers who come into the gate. Watch out for the spiritual wel welfare of others. Secondly, be watching for that warning. We need to be, be in tune. When Jesus says to move, it's time to go. Don't linger. I think of uh, my friend in 2011. I was on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. I was helping out with an evangelistic crusade there. And I was not preaching, but I was uh, the Bible worker. And um, I remember the evangelist was preaching. And as the, the evening came to a close, that evening of March 11, 2011, a man came running in through the sanctuary doors right after the, the preacher had finished. His face was red. He was panting. He grabbed the microphone and he said, there's been an earthquake, a massive earthquake off the coast of Japan. A tsunami has destroyed a huge piece of city of, uh, in Japan. And another tsunami is coming our direction. We were on the north shore of the island of Oahu. People began to panic a little bit. We got into our stuff. We, I said, you know what? Hey, I don't need anything but myself and you guys. So let's just jump in the car. We got in the car and we started taking off and the wind started blowing tremendously. It was at night and the palm trees were bent way over and it was a very, clearly it was an unusual, you know, so I, I knew something was coming. Then I remembered my friend, uh, one of the, the contacts that we had had and, I, and I, I pulled over to the little place he was renting. It was kind of an apartment on the beach and uh, close to the beach and I pulled over and I went and we knocked on his door and we said, hey, have you heard the news? And he said, what news? There's a tsunami coming. There was an earthquake off Japan. And, and you can see that the weather has gotten really crazy, very unusual. We need to go right now. We need to go to the south side of the island to higher ground away from where the tsunami is coming, the direction. And you know what he said to me? He said, AJ, they always say that, but it never happens. I've heard these kind of things before. I said, what? This could be it, man. You need to come right now. And he, he, I, I tried to persuade him. We talked to him. He wouldn't come. So we, we jumped in our car. We took off. We went to uh, Honolulu, stayed the night. Fortunately, there was another uh, island, Kauai, where the tsunami hit and was di completely diverted. And so what happened was the, uh, the, 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 shore, the water around the coast swelled up, and it caused a lot of damage to a lot of boats and docks but there was no actual tsunami that, that hit land and uh, no, one, no one was injured or, or killed. But I, I worry about my friend though because when, that, when the time finally does come, 
when the warning is out there, when, you see, when, when the sign finally comes, the real sign, he's not going to be ready for it. He's not watching. You know, um, I want to just close with one last story here, and that is that Jesus, you know, he, he, he likens his second coming to a, um, to a marriage, amen? He calls his church the bride, and he's the groom. And it's, it's fascinating because it says in Luke 17, he says, You're, we're going to see a lot of terrible things in the world happening around us. The signs will be fulfilling. There will be people who will be scoffers, and there'll be secular scientists, whoever they are, saying that, hey, just as things were from the beginning, so things will be to, are, are today. You know, these, these weird things we're seeing happen in the world around us, they're anomalies, right? This is, this is, you know, that's what you hear even today in the news. Peace and safety. You know, 2008 comes. The, 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 the banking system melted down. We almost, the global economy almost completely collapsed. Don't worry about it, guys. You know, this, we, it's, there's peace and safety, right? Guys, it's not peace and safety. There's some serious business going on out in the world. And, and the signs of Jesus coming are very close. And it says in Luke 17 that there will be men whose hearts will fail them for fear. But when these things happen... He says, look up, lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. In uh, World War II, there was a man named George, and he was, he was engaged to a woman named Mary. And uh, they, were, they were soon to be married, but then he was drafted into the royal army. And so he had to go serve. And um, he said, he told Mary, he said, Why, there's no sense in getting married before I go, you know, go and serve. I, we might as well put it off until I come back. So they did. He went away. Uh, he, they would write letters to each other every week. They would receive letters back and forth. And then finally, um, one, one week came, and there was no letter from George. Nothing. One week passed, two weeks, three weeks, one month, two months, three months, nothing. Finally, a letter came from the, the British government, and it said that George was missing in action and presumed to be dead. And Mary, of course, was heartbroken. Her heart was grieved, and she, she was just beside herself for weeks. And finally, one day, she was so caught up in her grief that she went upstairs and she went into her room, and she uh, had a wedding dress that she had already had picked out. She put on her wedding dress, and she started reading letters uh, that, that George had written her, and she was just sobbing and crying, and she was so caught up in her grief that she didn't hear a knock on the door downstairs. Her mother went and answered the door, and it was George. He was there. His arm was in a sling, and he said, he said Mother, is Mary here? Uh, I want to see Mary. And she's, and she's like, George, you're alive. We thought you were dead. You're here. And, and she said, yeah. He said, yes, mother, I'm fine. I'm fine. But can I see Mary? I really want to just see Mary. Is she here? His mother said, or Mary's mother said, yes, she's upstairs. You can just go up and see her. So he walked up the stairs and he peeked through the crack and he saw her there standing there in her wedding dress and just sobbing and caught up in her grief. He walked up behind her and he put his arms around her. And he said, Mary, it's me. I'm okay. And Mary said, George, is it you? Is it really you? He said, it's me, Mary. I'm okay. I'm okay. And they reached into his coat pocket and he pulled out a letter and he said, Mary, every letter that you ever wrote me, I treasured, but this one I treasured most of all. And he read it. It said simply, George, I love you. I love you. I love you. And when you come back, I'll be ready for you. George said, Mary, I didn't realize you'd be so ready. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Friends, do you want to be ready for Jesus? It's going to be a wonderful time. It's going to be some tears will be shed between now and then. It's going to be some serious times ahead of us.
But if we're watching and praying, we won't miss it. And the, the, the joy of meeting the Lord when he comes will far outweigh the trials that we will go through between now and then. Friends, let's not fail to watch and pray. Let's be ready when Jesus comes. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you that we are not left clueless. Thank you that we don't have to wander in the dark and we don't have to follow this wind of doctrine or that wind of doctrine or this, this uh, fancy tale or that fancy tale, but we can know the truth. It's in your word. You've told us the signs and the signs are fulfilling. And Lord, you've told us what we must do to watch and, watch and be ready. And I pray, Lord, that every person here will be found watching and praying when you come again and will be ready for you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.